And so, yeah, we're into, into week two of the Churches series. And I just want to echo what Simon says. If you didn't or haven't caught Leon's message last week about the church being unstoppable, I really want to encourage you to do that. There's some great, incredible teaching in there and some great exhortation to us as a body of, of what we could be like as an unstoppable force, as, as God's family in the world. And, and week two um, is about us being a family and us being messy. Yay. Um, and I was trying to think about how um, I could illustrate that really. And so this over here is um, as close to an interpretation as I could get of, of our family tea table. And I say tea because I didn't know dinner existed as an evening meal until I left Netherton and, and stepped out into the big wide world because I had dinner between 12 and 2. And uh, this was tea. And uh, this happened in our house 5 o'clock every night without fail. Um, no matter what you were doing, what was going on in your life, where you were, you were expected to be at home at five o'clock for your evening meal. And I had two older brothers, they're quite older than me, um, um, not really, really, in fact it's my brother's birthday today actually, I just remembered. Oh. <laughs> Happy birthday Stephen, he lives in Liverpool so he's never going to hear this, I'll, I'll, the greatness of social media isn't it, we can, we can remedy that later on. Um, <laughs> It's actually his birthday today. Um, so we'd be expected to be at our family meal together. And, um, and often, as good black country families were, you knew what day of the week it was by what food was being served up on your table. Oh, see. So Sunday, night, Sunday, Sunday was your roast. And it was the only day we ever had pudding. And, um, and then Monday was whatever was left over from Sunday. And then Tuesday was stew in the winter and stew in the summer, because that's what we had. Um, Wednesday was liver and onions. Oh, yes, see, it's all coming back now, isn't it? Liver and onions, and I hated liver, so I just had a plate of onions and gravy on the thing. Um, Thursday was sweet and potato mashed together with the odd dripping of belly draft around the side. Uh, and, and Friday was fish and chip night. Yay! Which is what this is representing this morning, is our Friday meal of fish and chips. And the pop is there, because remember the pop man? The pop man used to come round every week, Corona. Oh, God love him. And, um, and it was great if you were first on the route, because you had a choice. If you were last on the route, we normally had a crate of 12 cherryade and one limeade, because nobody ever wanted that. And so this... <laughs> So really, at the end of the week, this is what it would have looked like. What was left over, um, and my dad would cook the chips in the garage because mum wouldn't let him do them in the house because of the smell. And so he'd run from the garage into the house with this fryer of chips and tip them on your plate, and away we'd go as a family. And if you're wondering um, why there's Branston pickle and ketchup on the table this morning, this is really important because until, as my dad used to say, you turn your money up, good black country fries there, till you turn your money up, you add one or the other. So you either add ketchup on your chips or you add Branston pickle. Okay? And until I got my first job, I couldn't have both. I couldn't have both. And so, this is true, and so the, when I had my first job, one of the probably, I say best experiences of my life, that's sort <laughs> like puts it on a bit of a... <laughs> top, yeah... <laughs> I'll be staying in the Premier League and getting married in that order, probably. Um, and then <laughs> was the first time on a Friday I could have Branston pickle and ketchup on my chips. Because what I learned a lesson was that there's always a seat at the table for me, but until I invested into the family, there were some things I didn't get back. That's all gone quiet now. 
And I just wanted to just toss that in, really, because I think that's a really important principle that often what we invest into the family can determine sometimes what we get back out of it. And so there were some privileges that I got as I grew older in our family of, of what I was party to and what I could participate in. And I think that's a really good life, life lesson, actually. And often in church community, in church family, we have to look at what we're investing into it sometimes instead of measuring it about what we're getting back. And, um, and so this was where a lot of my life experiences occurred. Looking back and, and putting this message together made me think that actually this was a really important family experience for me. It was the only time we were ever together, ever together as a family. And it didn't matter whether I passed the test or failed it, whether I had a great day or a bad day, I was always welcome at the table. And when I got praised for doing something well, we celebrated at it. And when I was in trouble, it was dealt with at the table. Um, because we all ate the same thing. And at that moment in my life, it didn't matter what had happened before, we were all equal for that time. So I could sit there and be ignoring one of my brothers. They could very possibly well be ignoring me. But at the table, none of that mattered. We were there to eat a meal, eat it together, in spite of what may have happened before. And there was often a spare, t- a spare chair there because... Because we had a meal at five o'clock, which was quite early for a lot of families, but because my dad went out quite early to work, when he came back, he'd be hungry and the meal was there. Um, the doorbell would often ring, and the, are you coming out to play line? You don't hear that anymore, do you? You're coming out to play. Um, but the, the doorbell would often go, and so my dad and mum would often invite whoever was at the door in, and there'd always be enough food in there for them to have a, a meal with us. And looking back, I always wanted to hurry that experience I always wanted to get away. I always wanted to carry on with what was going on in my life. But actually, looking back, I realise now that we were sharing life together. We were sharing life together. And it was where I experienced family the most, eating around a table. And, of course, you know, the analogy for us is this morning that we're a family. And um, 1 Timothy 3.15 talks about God's people being part of a household, And I just want to read a verse to you from Ephesians. It won't come up on the screen. I'll just read it to you. That says, we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And that was the word they used to use for family. So we're members of God's family. And before we look at what it means to be a family member, what it means to be a family member here, I think it's important that we look at to who Paul and Timothy were writing. You know, what kind of family framework did they have? What, what was the background of what they were working, um, writing to? And they had what was called a patriarchal family system, which meant it was all about the dad. So great if you're a dad here. It's all about you this morning. No pressure. It's all about the dad. And it was about the bloodline of the, of the father. And before anything else, you were first and foremost a child of your father. And you're right, Ari, you're a bit of a laugh there. <laughs> And uh, you were a child of your father before you were married to, to your partner, before you were a wife, a husband, a parent. You know, you, you were actually foremost seen as being a child of your father. And that father had complete authority over the family line. So they authorized everything, they approved everything. And if even over religious matters, and there's a story in the Bible that always confused me. Um, and I think it was Paul who said to a jailer one time, today you and your household will be saved. And it's always confused me because I always thought, how did he know? How could he know? And this then, when I looked at this, it made complete sense because once the father changed his religious affiliation, the whole family followed. So Paul could have been really, really certain 
that if that jailer gave his heart to Christ on his knees in that prison cell, then the whole family would follow. And they had three responsibilities in those days as part of the family unit. One was they were to bring honour to the father. And that was they needed to live in a way that esteemed him, that brought honour to his reputation. The second thing was they had to carry on the family name. And the third responsibility was that they had to understand that their ultimate allegiance was to the father and to the family. So if there was a conflict of interest, if there was a disagreement, if there was a debate about something, you sided with your father and your family before anything else. And if you're going with me this morning, you'll suddenly see that there are really some similarities between those three responsibilities in your natural family to how the first family was birthed into. We aren't we, if we believe, we're a follower of Jesus this morning, we're called to live a life that's honouring to our father and to hold him in the highest reputation, the highest esteem. We're called to carry on the family name, which is about, you know, making God accessible to those that haven't yet got a relationship with him. And we're also to have our ultimate allegiance to the father and to the family. And that's where it can get messy. And that's where it can get messy. So God's our father and we are his child. That isn't a nice metaphor. It's not like God is like a father. He is. He is. And I am his child. And a beautiful thing happens when we become a Christian, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. This term the Bible uses, we're adopted. Now I know that that phrase has got a lot of cultural meanings and even for some people in the room that will have a lot of, of, um, of connotations around that whole word. But actually the Bible never, never uses a term meaninglessly. There's a real sense of something here that God wants us to get. Because back in the early first century, you could disown your natural child, you could never disown an adopted one. They were your child forever. Forever. And isn't that wonderful that God uses that analogy? That actually, you know what, we're adopted. I'm going to be his child forever. Forever. There is nothing I can do that's going to change that love relationship from him to me. And yes, I can turn my back and I can walk away from the family table, as I did him naturally, and I have done it spiritually. But there is nothing that is going to make me unadopted. Unadopted. And we have a family resemblance. You know, if you looked at us as a family, hopefully you would see that we connected in some way. Maybe there's some um, mannerisms that we have or the way that we speak or seeing some, some likeness, some caricatures maybe. But actually, for us as, a, as, a God, as God's family this morning, morally, spiritually, in behaviours, these should be our family resemblance to God. And you might not think like that this morning. And you might not think, do you know what, I haven't looked like my dad a lot this week. But do you know what, we're on a journey. And we're on a journey to these three things. To look like, and to live like, and to love like God. And we're all on that journey at different places and different places. But we're moving towards that. And so we're going to look at what the first church family looked like. And we're going to look at the most famous passage, I suppose, in the New Testament, which is found in Acts. Um, in the second part of the Bible and look at actually what did the first church look like? What does being part of the family actually mean? And so that's found in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It will come up on the screen if you haven't got a Bible. But if you have, then, then please feel free to turn to that with me. And it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the first church family. And you can see that they were devoted to one another in this word fellowship. And in the Greek, this word is kononia. And it means three things. It means partnership, participation, and togetherness. Because the verse says they're devoted to the fellowship. Not to fellowship, to the fellowship. Which included those three things. They didn't just hang out together. It wasn't a club you signed up to. It wasn't a monthly meal. There was a purpose in them being together. And that whole passage for me is about fellowship and about family. But then it also means this other word, which is quite scary, is the word intimacy. And I don't know how that sits with you this morning, but the power of this community came not in a whole crowd of people with disconnected lives, but they had authentic, deep-rooted relationships. And that's scary. That means they connected not, not on a nominal level, Not on actually what do I like doing, what do you like doing. But there was something deeper that connected this group of people together. There were companions on a journey. It's almost a bit like Lord of the Rings if you think about it. They had a fellowship of people that you would never have put together to go on a journey with one purpose and one mission. And they fulfilled it. Because all through our lives, you see, we're going to be in pockets of people, aren't we? And we connect in different ways. And, um, but those relationships, I find, are limited by things like culture and commonalities. I can never get past that. I can never get past some people where we just do this thing together. I never actually get to know the real them. And by competition at times. But in this family, we get the opportunity to reach our potential. And I can be who God created me to be in the safety of this community. And that was God's ideal for the church family. But as in our natural families, we don't always get along, do we? You know, and I read this quote this week that said, family is like fudge. It can be sweet, but can contain a few nuts. So um, I thought that was quite, quite good about my family recently, actually. We had a, a family celebration last week. My, um, one of my aunties had quite a pivotal birthday. And so the whole family got together, which is really rare. My mom was one of eight. Unfortunately, they're not obviously all still living now. But there's quite, we had quite a big family. And it was really weird how it all separated off with... You had some people sitting in this side of the room and then some people in the kitchen who never came out of the kitchen. and Because it was just a real mix of people and personalities. But we knew we were connected by family. We knew we were connected by something that held us together more than whether we'd seen each other for the last 20 years. And my theory about Acts 2 is, and it's only a theory, is that often this is put up as the perfect iconic representation of what the church is like. And we should be like that. And if we're not like that, then there's something wrong. And then I can go along with that to a degree, but my suggestion to you, and it is only a suggestion, is that actually, maybe that's an overview of what the church was like. What do I mean by that? I mean that when I go on holiday, what you see are my family snapshots. You will see when we're having great times, the views we had, you know, the places we went on, um, things that impacted us when we were away. 
What you won't get is that we argued all the way down in the car or that we couldn't agree on what restaurant we went to to have our food or, you know, what, what channel we had on in the TV, in the caravan or wherever we were. You won't get all of that information. You'll get an overview and you'll look at my family snapshot and you'll think, man, you had a good time. You had a really good time. And I think that maybe Acts 2 is an overview of what the early church was like. And how can I say that? Because the rest, of the, the rest of the New Testament was written. And if you look at the 70% of the New Testament, what's it about? How do we handle conflict? How do we tame our tongue? How do we stop gossiping? How do we walk in relationship with each other? How do, what do we do when somebody does something that we don't agree with in a community? How do we love one another? How do we keep loving one another? How do we keep loving one another? How do we keep loving one another? There's a theme running through the whole thing. And all of that was written to who? The church family. The church family. Because as now, as then, stuff happened. Mess happened. Temptation's nothing new. Temptation happened then as well as it does now. People didn't get along then, as some of us don't get along now. It was just as much a problem in those days. But Timothy says that we need tenderness and mercy and responsibility. And every family has to learn these lessons over and over again. Over and over again. Families have struggled with rivalry, misunderstandings, and things we wish we'd never said. And the truth is, we can be any one of those three, on the receiving end or on the delivery part, because we're family. So what does it mean to be a family member? What do I think it means to be a part of this family? And uh, I'm going to pick up like five things really quickly, just to say actually what I think it means to be a family member of Zion Christian Centre. And the first thing is about our responsibility into this family is to be hospitable. We're to be hospitable. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So what does this word actually mean? It means receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly and generous way. That's guests and strangers. Now I've always struggled with the word hospitality because I can probably count on one hand how many people have actually eaten in my home because I just don't connect very well in that way. It doesn't come naturally to me. But hospitality isn't just about whether I've given you a meal. It's about how generous am I to you? How loving am I to you? How caring am I to you? How inviting and welcoming am I to you? And it's great when we hear stories, isn't it, of people who've come here for the first time and they say, oh, I was just so welcome. I felt, just felt so part of what was going on. And that's brilliant. But the thing is, it's not just the responsibility of those in your teal T-shirts this morning. It's a whole family responsibility. It's more than being nice. It's more than being nice. We're to care for one another. That suggests to me that it's more, more than me walking up the stairs with you this morning going, how's your week been? How are you doing? And me giving the typical Christian response of I'm fine. It's all good. We're to care for one another. It's not about giving lip service. It's about giving selfless service. That's what it means to be part of this family. The third thing is we're to pray for each other, not ignore each other. Not ignore each other. And James talks a lot in the New Testament about us sharing things in our lives, being vulnerable with each other and praying for each other. Because out of that comes the fourth thing, we're to restore each other, not destroy each other. We're to help restore each other. 
And the last one's quite, quite one that might, you might go, ooh. But the Bible talks about this thing about teaching and admonishing one another. Admonishing one another. And that isn't about us beating each other on the back with sticks until we bleed. It's not about punishing each other. It's not about excommunicating people out of a community. But it's a really important thing that the Bible talks about. And basically, I think it means this. We teach where we can and we correct when we must. Both of which I've been on the end of. Because that's part of family. That is part of family. And I think what Paul and Timothy were saying about this was that we all have blind spots where God wants us to mature. We all have things that we can't see ourselves and things that we can see, to be honest. But when we're in meaningful relationship with each other, and I use that word, meaningful relationship with each other, I don't want to stand by and watch you do something with your life that could destroy you. And I really hope that you wouldn't want that for me either. And it's not about me judging your life against my standard. Maybe you're not doing something the way I would do it. It's not about that at all. And it's not about me being a superior, highly spiritual person, talking to somebody who's less spiritual and less, you know, and an inferior to me. It's not about that at all. Admonishment is God's antibiotic for church community. That's the best way I can think about it. And when it's done as God intended it to be done, it's the most loving thing you can do for everybody concerned. For everybody concerned. So what can we do to improve our family relationships this morning? What can we do to look at being a really active part of being the family member? The first thing is, how about learning somebody's name? How about talking to somebody you've not spoken to? Or you don't know who they are? Take the initiative Go and ask about them. Learn their name. Actually, when somebody remembers my name, rather than looking at me thinking, oh, I know you've told me. I'm just waiting for you to drop it out. I tell you what, just knowing somebody's name and remembering that, doesn't that give you value? The second thing is, take notice of the lives of other people in the community. And that's listening in a way that says, can I help you? Is there something you're going to tell me in this that I can do something with? The third thing, play an active part in family life. I mean, Leon talked a lot last week about the, you know, I nearly didn't come this morning. You know, I, I, I just, I nearly didn't come, but I'm so glad I came. Or, you know, I can be a Christian at home. I've heard that so many times. I don't need to be part of the family. I can do this Christian thing at home. Well, good luck hugging your TV. That's all I can say to that. Because that's the only meaningful thing you're going to get. Because family is more, it's not about coming to this building, it's about coming to be with each other. It's about coming, spending time with each other, building meaningful relationships and being built together. And to do that, we need to spend time with each other. And on that point, I just want to quickly mention life groups. That's the way that this church works out, part of family life. Not all of it, but some of it. And I want to encourage you this morning... If you're not part of a life group, maybe you've stopped going to your life group, or maybe you're struggling with your life group, or maybe you think life group is great. I just want to encourage you, keep going. Keep connecting. Keep having koinonia. Keep having that community. Keep having that bond together, because we do life together. And that's one of the predominant ways that this family works out life. We need to pray for each other. You know, if you know somebody's got a special need, then pray for them. Don't share it with everybody, but you can pray for them. And then the final two things, 
are things that I think are really important and have really spoken to me when I've prepared this is we need to cultivate an approachable personality. What does that mean? That means where people feel comfortable being with me. People feel comfortable approaching me. So it doesn't mean maybe that at the end of the message I just think, you know what, I need to get my chicken out. Please don't interact with me. It's, it means I will stop for you. I will stop and speak to you. I want to be so approachable and so inviting that actually people feel comfortable in my presence. And then in tandem with that needs to be this second thing. Try and have a transparent lifestyle. Now that's scary. And before we all get all freaked out, what I mean by that is I'm not afraid to let you know the real me. And that will work out in different ways. We all have people we connect with more than others. We all have people we spend time with more than others. But actually, there needs to be those family members that actually get to see the real me. So the me when I struggle, the me when I'm celebrating, the me when I'm sad, the me when I'm happy, the me when I'm joyful, the me when I'm just, oh, so frustrated. There needs to be people in this family that get to see that side of me. Now, we should be a family that stays together, shares together, and fellowships together. And I really believe in this family. And I really believe this family should be the cure for loneliness. It should be the cure for loneliness. And I know that isn't always the case. And wouldn't be the saddest thing if somebody left this place this morning and went, nobody spoke to me. I sat on a row on my own or I sat next to people even and nobody spoke to me. It wouldn't have really mattered if I'd gone or not. Actually, there should be no lonely people in this family. And there's some things this family is really serious about. We are serious about spiritual growth. Encouraging it, supporting it, strengthening it. You becoming the people, me becoming the person that God always, always created me to be. We're serious about fellowship. We're serious about meeting together, having time with each other. Because fellowship is about relationship before it's about any activity. We're serious about unity, being together on things, being together on issues and topics and moving together on a mission together because this is a faith family. This is God's family. This is God's family. And none of us can do alone what we can all do together. And we all have the burdens to bear and bad days to endure and there are some days even wearing my lucky underpants aren't going to help me. But you know what? You are. You are. And you may bring something this morning that I need. And I may bring something this morning that you need. Because that's how family works. And the whole Bible is a story of God building a family that will support, strengthen, and stir one another up. And he created you and me to be part of that family. He created you and me to be part of this family. And just as back home we had a family together and we ate together. There's a table that we eat around. There's a table that we fellowship around. There's a table that we come together on. And, for, you know, weirdly enough, it's called communion. There's a play on words. Where we come together and we eat together and we be family together. Because God understood there is something important in that word Communion. There's something important in us coming together and being together as a family. The ultimate dining table, if you like. The ultimate tea table. The great leveller.
the great leveler for us as people, where anyone who considers themselves a follower of Jesus can eat together as a family. And just like around my family table, there was always an empty chair. There's always an empty chair around this one. Because there's always room for one more. There's always room for you. There's always room for you. And eating from this table will be older people that I'll gain experience and wisdom from. In fact, I could be one of those older people now, just thinking that through. Um, But you, you get my analogy. But also there'll be younger people that tell me that this legacy will live on long after I'm gone. Around the same table. This is where I learn who I am. This is where I learn what it means to be part of a Christian family. And this is where I should feel equally welcome. I come when things are great. I come when things are terrible. Because I'm family. It doesn't matter what's happened before. It doesn't matter what's happened in your week this week. There is no reason this morning that you can give for not presenting yourself at the family table. And we're going to take communion together. I'm going to invite the band to come back. And so what, if I could sum it up, how would I sum this up this morning about church being a family? It would be this. So whether you feel devoted or disconnected this morning, I want you to come. Whether you feel included or ignored this morning, I want you to come. Whether you feel offended by the family or encouraged by the family, I want you to come because this is the table that keeps us on mission together. This is the table that brings us together, keeps us together, sends us out together. This is where we become an unstoppable force together because we are a faith family We are God's family. And so I'm going to invite you to come and we're going to take it as a family. Now there are times when communion is really sacred and it should be. There are times when we honour and remember what Jesus has done, which we always do. But this morning I want you to come as family. So whether you know that you feel really part of the community here or whether for some reason you feel on the outside of that This is the great leveler this morning. Come and present yourself as family before God this morning. And as we sing this great song, Majesty, the first words are, here I am. Here I am. So come and present yourself at this table this morning and say, here I am, part of the family of God. Otherwise, what are we going to do? Leave the family? There is no reason why we don't eat together this morning. So come and have communion with God and with each other. Amen? Amen. Please come and take communion when you feel ready. Now, I'm really aware this morning that this is quite an emotive topic. It will have brought back a load of experiences or memories for people. And... You might look at my family tea table and think, well, that's great, Jane, but our family wasn't like that. But you've got to remember, this is an overview of my family. What you won't have heard are the times when things went wrong and we didn't get it right. And there was pain and there was hurt. 
And I know that this morning, some people's family experience hasn't been, well, it's been more than less than perfect. And we just want to acknowledge that this morning. Andy's just going to come and pray because we recognize as part of this family that family is messy. And you could have been hurt this morning by natural family and also by church family. It happens. We're humans trying to work out an eternal destiny together. Things we're going to get wrong and things people are going to get hurt. But the thing is that we stay in the family and we work it out and we work it through. So Andy's just going to come and quickly pray. Yeah, why don't we just bow our heads? I just got a real sense of God speaking into this as Jane so brilliantly communicated about church as family. I'm aware in my role and also in my personal experience that family is messy, family's complicated, family does our head in sometimes and sometimes we're just crying out for God to go, God, I need you to do something. So I wonder if, if you've got some family stuff going on and you think, I need God, I need God to intervene here, I need God to speak I need God to move. Then I wonder if you could just raise your hands for us. No one's looking around the room and making comments on your family life. But just raise your hands and let's pray. God, we thank you that you care about family. God, you care about our individual families. God, you care about us as a wider family. Lord, we pray for the situations, the the hurt, the pain, the grievances that are represented here in this room. Lord, we pray that you would come and move by your Holy Spirit. God, we pray for breakthrough. God, we pray for where relationships have been broken down for many years. Lord, I pray that you would begin to restore those relationships. God, I pray that perhaps where we've opted out, God, where we've chosen to walk away from the table, God, I pray that you would would do something in us, God. Would you set us free from from the bitterness and the pain that has gone on in the past? God, I pray that we would play our role in our families. Lord, we pray for healing. God, we pray for your peace. God, where our family wind us up, God, and drive us to the edge. Lord, I pray that you would give us peace. God, I pray for parents here. God, would you give them wisdom? God, where they feel at their wit's end of what to do next. God, I pray that you would just give some real godly wisdom into some families. Lord, I pray that we would be a family known by love, God. As we sung not so long ago, I could sing of your love forever. God, I pray that we would be individual families and a wider family marked by your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.